Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today, we're going to dive into the beauty industry. Now, I'm not a huge consumer of beauty products, and before this, I didn't know a ton about the beauty industry, but I sure learned a heck of a lot with our guest today, Ipsy's Chief Brand Officer, Jenna Habieb. Now, first of all, if you're new to this community, new to this podcast, welcome. This is a show that talks all about how the most interesting brands in the world are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic each and every day, and we talk to their leaders about how to do that. And Ipsy, in particular, isn't just your run-of-the-mill beauty player. They are, in fact, the largest beauty subscription in the world, and Jenna is their first chief brand officer. So I had plenty of questions for her, including why Ipsy needed a chief brand officer specifically. I've seen that role pop up over the last 12 to 18 months, so I wanted to learn more about that specifically. I also wanted to learn more about the beauty industry in general, how customers are used as partners, and how that ties in with influencer use. And the one thing I really did know is that beauty products and subscriptions and services tend to use a lot of influencers. I wanted to know how that world was changing, and I wanted to know Jenna's thoughts on it. And she gave them. So I was super grateful for that, and I'm glad to have you hear them as well. So without further ado, let's just jump straight into that. From Ipsy, here is today's interview with Jenna Habieb. All right, everybody, I'm here with Ipsy, specifically Chief Brand Officer Jenna Habayeb. Jenna, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to speak to you, and I want to get into a lot of things that, that Ipsy's up to because, as I'm aware, over the last six months, which has been your tenure so far at the brand, so much has been going on, and I want to get to that in a second. The first thing I want to do is just for listeners who are unfamiliar with what Ipsy is, what is it? And then we'll go from there. Yes. Um, So Ipsy is actually the largest beauty subscription in the world. Uh, I think uh, not everybody knows that we are the the actual largest. Um, We're most known for our glam bag. So every month we send out a glam bag with five deluxe beauty samples. um, And we have over 3 million monthly active members, which is great. Almost 1% of America receives our product offering. Um, And we've recently actually expanded. So we offer much more than just the glam bag. Uh, We now offer Glam Bag Plus, which is five full-size products, as well as Glam Bag Ultimate, um, which is 12 juicy beauty products for $50 a month. Um, So that's what we're most known for and super, super excited to be here to talk about my experience so far with Ipsy. Yeah. And I did not know that. Of course, I am not your typical beauty consumer. But no way. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Can you believe it? But I uh, did not know that the largest community in the world, do you think, was Dipsy just there first? I mean, how, how the heck did you get to that point? And I know that it might have happened quite a bit before your beginning of this past six months of tenure, but I'm just curious, was Ipsy first to market? Like 1% of America seems like a ton of people. Yeah, we actually weren't first to to the market, but we were very, very early in the stages of not only subscription, but specifically beauty subscription. And I think um, what really gave us the advantage to grow is, um, one, we are very community first, so we heavily focus on our community. But the other thing is, um, Ipsy isn't a typical business. We're we're very much tech and digital first. Um, And so we really leverage the power of data to drive our decisions and to really drive personalization. So that's what really differentiates us in the marketplace is that we're delivering personalized experiences for our customers. So not everyone gets the same products in their bag. We really take the data of what they're looking for to ensure that we're customizing and personalizing their glam bags. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited about all those words you just used because it, it fits right in line with what we generally talk about here. And so I'm going to dive into each of those. Great. But 
Let's turn from tactics for a second to you personally. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey to, to this point at Ipsy? What drew you here? What do you love about the brand? And uh, what are some of the things that you've done in, in so far in your first six months? I know this has been a very busy six months. Yes, yes, it has been. Um, definitely been sprinting, but um, in, in a very exciting way. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I've always loved lifestyle brands. Um, I spent, you know, almost five years on fashion and retail. Um, and previous to that, I had worked with Bare Minerals in the beauty space. And so I've always had a passion for beauty. I think what really drew me to Ipsy was this notion that um, they really are kind of a Silicon Valley startup. So the infrastructure is really rooted in technology and data and a very, very data-driven um, company. And so sort of the icing on the cake of that is the beauty component to it, um, which is, I think, a reason why they actually brought me in was they really wanted to sort of balance the technology and data-driven decision-making with um, brand and lifestyle and emotional storytelling. Um, but what's what's interesting is in the direct-to-consumer businesses nowadays, you have a lot of legacy businesses trying to figure out the data side, trying to figure out... Um, how to really leverage consumer information to create rich, robust digital experiences. And we're kind of the opposite, where we are fully a digital platform. We don't have brick and mortar stores. Um, you know, we do leverage experiential to bring Ipsy to, to consumers in real life. Um, but I really love the idea that I had this arsenal of data to help us make decisions so that any marketing, communication, storytelling, community engagement was rooted in data. So that's what kind of really drew me to the company. Um, you know, my first six months, I'd say the first four months were the fastest for me. Um, as I mentioned, we have three core product offerings. When I started uh, six months ago, we actually only had one, which was just our core glam bag. So we really reinvented what our business model looked like. So now there are three core service offerings, glam bag, glam bag plus and glam bag ultimate, um, which you can imagine is a lot of work behind the scenes to operationally make sure that that works. Yes, um, <laughs> But we also launched some really great new features that, again, I think help lean into this idea of personalization and customization um, and creating rich experiences for our, our members and our customers. Uh, we launched something called Choice. So now our consumers can actually choose one of their five products, and then we build an algorithm through our machine learning platform um, to ensure that the rest of their bag is built around their choice. Also a really great lever and indicator of what their preferences are in the future. Um, and we launched a feature called add-ons, which is basically for $3, you can add on a deluxe sample. Um, and for $12, you can add on um, full-size products. And what's great about that is you're already receiving the convenience of this amazing monthly shipment. And now you can kind of pick and choose and customize additions to that monthly delivery. And so we've seen so much success with it. Um, We've even had uh, a site crash <laughs> one time because it just really was so successful. Um, and so we're really, really excited about some of these new features that, that we launched. Um, yeah, it's always good to get a, a, a hug of death from your, from your consumers. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, we didn't realize you guys are going to love this this much, but right. um, you know, not, not a great experience, but a great problem to have in terms of just the level of interest. Um, outside of actually the service offerings, offerings, which was such a cross-functional initiative for us to launch, um, the big thing that I really focused on was 
really thinking about how we can reinvigorate the brand. And, you know, Ipsy turns eight years old in November, and we just want to really pay attention to what's happening in the marketplace because, you know, the landscape is just evolving so, so quickly. And we really launched a whole new brand identity. So from logo, color, um, the style of content we are creating, the tone of voice, how we engage with our community, uh, as well as a really emotionally driven brand campaign. So the first time Ipsy's really invested in a brand awareness campaign, and that was really rooted in our mission. And our mission is really about celebrating um, self-expression and unique beauty. And we launched a campaign called Discover Yourself, which was really about finding people going through their own journey of self-discovery, because beauty is just intrinsically a part of your, your self-discovery. So if you're you know, a college student moving across the country and, you know, trying something new out, you know, you have a whole new beauty routine, or if you're a new mom, uh, your beauty routine might be switched up. And as Ipsy, we want to be a very big part of that. Um, And so we created a whole campaign, leveraging some really powerful ambassadors that had amazing stories to tell about their, their journey of self-discovery. And that's been such an exciting part of my first four months with a company. Yeah, I mean, it has been uh, very, very busy, it sounds like. A a lot of stuff going on and plenty of stories that you are leveraging and telling back to your community, which is is good because I'm going to get into that slightly later in the conversation. All of this being emotionally charged, digital first, personalized... It all revolves around, uh, you know, around that A word that I cover on this show, authenticity. And I'm curious in terms of that word, and you've touched on many of the aspects of it already, if you have a personal definition for what authenticity means to you or to Ipsy. I imagine it involves a lot of the elements you've just discussed, but I want to know just so we can sort of level set as to what you think a brand is doing by being authentic. Yeah, I mean, when I think about this authenticity, it's really intrinsically what makes you you as a human, as a brand, as a company, as an organization. And, you know, you think about just humankind in general, you know, they're quirky people, they're quiet people, they're extroverts, they're our eccentric people. And, you know, each of us sort of has our own DNA and our own North Star. And I think authenticity is really when people and companies and organizations firmly believe in something are in, are entirely rooted in that and try not to deviate. Um, you know, sometimes I think about the context of authenticity and it's really about just being who you are. And I think that that creates a level of trust and integrity and just a genuine feeling around either your brand or your company. Um, and I think that that's where you create real connections because you find people that, really are drawn to you or that want to engage with you and you find people that just aren't as interested and that's okay. So then in thinking about all these different elements, you mentioned before that legacy brands are attempting to get to that level of perfection of, of digital embodiment and personalization that Ipsy already has. With that in mind, what do you think that brands, maybe legacy brands and beauty, maybe not, What do you think they're not getting quite right about becoming truly authentic where a consumer might look at it and be like, eh, I don't buy that or that's not true or they're just doing that to make money or, um, yeah, I mean, what, what, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, what do you think they're not getting quite right? Yeah, I I think it actually kind of first starts internally. Um, I think a lot of organizations sometimes find it really challenging to know and identify what their core belief system is, right? It's, 
you know, I'm selling this product, I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to be profitable, but they can't really dig down deep to understand well, what is that that core value proposition? What is that core belief system that we believe and live and breathe every single day? And when they can't align on that, what typically happens is that you have a lot of disjointed behaviors and actions and messaging, which confuses a consumer. So I think, you know, that's probably the place that I see brands get it wrong up front, um, because if you can't all collectively align, then how is your customer supposed to know exactly what you stand for? Um, I think the other thing is I, I do feel like organizations sometimes are a little nervous about truly being transparent and trying to build that trust. Um, because sometimes that means saying you're wrong or apologizing. Sometimes that means that you have to pivot really quickly to get things right. And I do find that sometimes, especially larger organizations, find it hard to be that agile and nimble um, and also just aligning on like, how do you communicate and articulate with your customers to create that level of trust and transparency? Do you think Ipsy has, has ever been through a moment like that? Um, I'm curious in like those specific things, what Ipsy might be doing differently or, or what, what visions or, or mission statements it might have that approach problems like that differently? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Every business has these types of challenges. Um, what I will say is this idea of 100% being behind our mission of self-expression and unique beauty is something that rings very true internally and externally for us. Um, inclusivity is just such a core part of our DNA. Um, we are an organization that highly values having a very diverse set of people. And, and this is beyond ethnicity. Um, it's really about embodying all walks of life within our company. Uh, we're probably one of the most multinational companies out there just in terms of um, the type of people that we have in our entire organization. You know, we are um, over 70% female, um, of which 50% are directors and above. Uh, and we really embody inclusivity beyond just sort of the traditional norms. So thinking about sexual orientation, thinking about um, age, thinking about diversity of experience. Uh, and I think that, that that being intrinsically true inside of our company is something that gives us the power to do the same externally with our customers. Um, and I think that that's something that I, I was very drawn to in terms of coming to this company. Um, but I also think about this idea of transparency and how well our organization has rallied around that. Um, we've had definitely challenges in the past. We actually had a recent one um, where we saw that our customers maybe misunderstood something that we did and our entire organization rallied together. We addressed what the issue was. We came out within 24 hours to say, please let us know more. Take this survey. We want to understand we immediately came back and said, these are actions we want to take based on the learnings that we have. And we've continued to do more research around what our customers are expecting. And our goal is, is not that we know that we're not going to be able to please everyone, but we want to make sure that anything that we're communicating at any time is clear enough so that we're never, ever under-delivering or disappointing our members. Sure. Being as clear, as transparent as possible, I'm sure is another thing that attracted you to Ipsy as well. And and also great statistics there with like highly equitable in terms of the uh, the division of seniority, the, the 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 male, female like proportions of the company too. That is, I think, probably a lot better than a lot of brands are, are able to to boast. And something which Ipsy did recently and, and newly and obviously you're you're the embodiment of it. 
they hired their first chief brand officer, and that is the role that you hold. Why, why did Ipsy do that? And specifically as chief brand officer, what is your vision for the brand going forward? Yeah, um, it was interesting when when we met originally, they were talking about chief marketing officer and then um, really landed on this idea of chief brand officer. And I think, again, the the realization internally in the company was they had been doing so successfully with being such a data-driven tech-first company, but there was an acknowledgement that we are in the industry of beauty and beauty has such an emotional attachment to it. And it is lifestyle and there are softer metrics that are tied to beauty. And I think it was really smart of our, our CEO and our executive leadership to realize that we would be missing the boat to not really think about how we connect even stronger with our community. And I think that was a big goal of them bringing this role on. Um, as I've come on, I think where I'm really focused is obviously we've launched this new portfolio. We've launched this whole new brand ethos. So continuing to scale and iterate on that. Um, but really what I want to focus on is leaning into our community. I want to focus on engagement. I want to focus on better personalization. Um, and because we are a digital first company, how am I bringing these experiences to our customers in real life? So we are doubling down on experiential um, localized events next year because we just see such an amazing opportunity to engage with our community in real life. They also love the networking opportunity between each other. People bring products to swap. Um, they really love connecting and engaging with each other and learning from each other and also just learning from our brands around you know, how do they apply makeup? What products are best for their skin types? Um, and we've seen just so much success with that, that we want to just continue to do that more next year. Yeah. And that's a fantastic segue because that was going to be my next uh, uh, set of questions here is, is how exactly Ipsy is fostering these environments in, in which your subscribers, I mean, statistically more than any other beauty subscriber can be sharing feelings and, and experiences. What are some of the ways that you actively encourage that? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously our, our um, events and experiences are a great way for us to have that engagement in real time and in real life. Um, but we actually, again, being a very data-driven company, place a lot of importance around active listening. So a couple things that, that are super crucial to our business, um, ratings and reviews. Those are We have over 160 million reviews. I think it's almost more than Yelp has. Um, it's wow. pretty incredible incredible to see um, the arsenal of insights that we have on beauty brands and our consumer preferences. These are great levers and indicators for us in terms of what they're looking for, what they don't like, what they want more of. Um, and so leveraging the power of that data helps us really shape up their experiences. Um, we are also a company that believes heavily in surveys and feedback. So every month when you get your monthly glam bag, we're sending out surveys around you know what you liked, what you didn't like, what the net promoter score is. Um, every single event we have, um, we also do a survey so we understand what did they like, what could we improve on, and our company does a really good job of doing postmortems. So we're constantly iterating on, on what we've learned. Um, when we launch new features and new product offerings, we're always engaging with our, our customers to understand you know, what they're liking. Um, and we have a really, really robust customer service team that's fully integrated into our business. So you, know, you can imagine as a company that's shipping out monthly packages to almost 1% of America, 
not everything is always perfect, right? And so we need to be there in real time, engaging with our customers and troubleshooting and helping them um, whenever they have questions or issues. So we place a lot of emphasis on that interaction with our consumer directly. Um, and then one of the other big successes that we've seen this year in terms of really amplifying that that experience is um, Facebook obviously is seeing a lot of success with groups. So we launched a Facebook 101 group. And the real goal of this was, hey, if people are new to Ipsy, um, our community can really help each other out. Hey, you're new to Ipsy. Here's what it's about. Here's what you should do. Here's what you might like. And we've just seen it kind of take off. And it's been super interesting to watch how consumers are interacting with each other. We just recently launched a survey with that group too to say, how much do you want Ipsy to be involved? Do you want us to moderate more? Do you want us to give you tips and tricks? Do you guys just want this to be a space that's safe for you to talk? Um, so we're constantly trying to find ways to listen and engage um, and just make sure that, that our consumers' experiences are, are top notch. Absolutely. That's a ton of touch points, by the way, that you listed in that in that very comprehensive answer. Thank you. And, and just it continues to surprise me a little bit. I mean, again, you know, I'm not your typical beauty consumer, but first learning that it's the, the biggest community in, in terms of subscriptions to a beauty product is, is wild. But then that stat in relation to Yelp was, uh, you know, on the ratings and reviews was really, really crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I guess, I guess if, if I were a more typical consumer, I would know. And so to roughly half the listeners on here, maybe you're learning something a little more than the other half. Um, hey, also listeners rating and reviews. That's something you can give me as well, by the way. You could do it for Ipsy, you could do it for me. Um, so uh, I had to give that quick plug. But anyway, those touch points, I, I want to get back to that in a second um, because there must be so much opportunity there. But let's talk for just just a second. This is because this has come up a little bit recently uh, with how influencers are being used. Now, this is because Ipsy has uh, traditionally used them to, to great success. And I know Ipsy has uh, a fantastic influencer community and beauty as an industry arguably does it better than anybody else. But beauty as an industry also has had the most press about this being not a, a, a diminishing return. And I'm curious as to how Ipsy is leveraging influencers today, how it plans to leverage influencers down the line, because that community will always be shifting and changing. And from the conversations I've had outside of beauty, some people are using it a little less. Some people are using it a little bit more. Some people are using real consumers as influencers, which I think is the best. But I'm curious as to what Ipsy's doing. Yeah. So the thing that I think um, for people that don't know how we started is this idea of influencers, which we call creators, um, because it doesn't mean that you just have to be sort of a, a well-known 500,000 follower count influencer. We really think about it as creators is the core of how our business started. So um, when Ipsy started about eight years ago, you have to think about what the landscape was like. YouTube was just becoming a thing. Um, most social media uh, channels weren't even really existing or available. And so our brand launched with Michelle Fawn, who was a famous um, beauty YouTuber. Um, but at the time, she was like a regular person, you know, getting behind her computer, trying interesting things. Um, and what that allowed us to do was really democratize beauty. Because if you think about 
you know, eight years ago, you still had this very authoritative view on beauty. You had um, the big publishers and the big editors telling you what you needed to look like and what you needed to do. And we wanted to take just a very different approach to democratizing beauty and, and changing the face of beauty overall. And that was by giving the power to real people um, through the lens of social media. Now, since then, obviously, the landscape of social media has drastically evolved. Um, the usage of influencers, hashtag ad, paid commitments has also drastically evolved. And we're really trying to evolve with it. So we still embody a very passionate community of these creators that we always give them access to our studios, to our products. Um, we want to help them learn. We want to help them help our community learn. So we still place a lot of importance on those um, creators. Where I see the biggest shift, at least for us, is in two sort of facets. One is the type of people that we're working with who really have a rich story to tell that are going to um, be accretive to our community. So when I talked about this new brand campaign that we launched, Discover Yourself, um, we brought on nine ambassadors that had these amazing stories. So a great example is um, a woman named Corey Ray. She was the first transgender prom queen. She talks about her whole journey of self-discovery and how beauty plays a role in that. Um, we brought on a woman named Misty Diaz, who's a huge fan of Ipsy, has been to all of our events. Um, she was born with spina bifida. She calls it spina beautiful. And she's all about how you can just be adaptive in your life. And so we're really trying to bring people on that authentically align with our mission and that they can tell the story. So it's not Ipsy trying to force a story down people's throats. Um, so that's been one big sort of pivot for us is just how are we bringing in people that um, embody our mission, but can tell it through their own lens. The other area that I think we're shifting into is more of the micro and nano influencers that just have these more small niche audiences that are creating that real level of of trust and engagement so that it doesn't feel um, so commercial. And so that's something that I think our organization has really pivoted to focus on is, you know, there's all these really cool, interesting groups of micros and nanos um, that might have smaller followings, but they have a highly engaged audience. Um, so I'd say those are two things that we've been focusing on this year. That doesn't mean we're going to forget about the the big players in beauty. They obviously have a lot of reach. They obviously have a lot of engagement. You know, they've spent their entire careers getting to where they are. So we continue to work with um, those types of influencers. We're just kind of shifting the balance of our focus. Yeah. And that I love that, by the way, because I know and I talk to people every day, people on this show every week about how it doesn't have to, it, you don't have to have a million followers. It's, it's, that's nice. You don't have to have that at all. And matter of fact, you do get a lot of cases, a lot more engagement. And, and I would say in some cases, maybe even if it's same me, you know, I have what 80 followers on Instagram because it's my friends, right? And if I were into beauty and I posted something, somebody who's a follower of mine might like actually take more, uh, from it and, yeah. and might act on it a little more, um, certainly less overlap in my audience with somebody else's. So there's a lot going on there. I really, but I, I love that shift. And I think that both sides are viable and that rather than it being a backing away from something, rather, it's just a, a buffing up of a previously undertapped source of influence, um, which, which is great. And I think that that's a good, it's a good shift that everybody should embrace. Um, in terms of these, stories now because you've what you're doing effectively is opening up the using the word creator is also great there's tons of stories being told every single day experiences 
being had, um, millions and millions as we've covered already. I'm curious to know some of the ways in which Ipsy is taking those experiences, taking those stories and funneling them back into their own communities and, and saying, you know, don't, don't take it just from Ipsy, as you've just said, take it from, you know, this person or this other person who is using uh, this type of product to create this type of look, whatever it may be. I'm curious about some of the ways in which you are taking these stories and effectively increasing the, as we would say on the show, authentic influence you have by pushing them back into the community. Yeah. I mean, I think by leveraging these stories in a way that's not coming from us, um, one does create that genuine feeling, but then we see our community engaging with our ambassadors and engaging with our our audience um, and sharing their own stories, which is amazing. Like I can't tell you when we first started posting some of these stories, what you would just naturally see out of our audience and talking about their journey and things that they've gone through. Um, it's really, really delightful to see the fact that people are willing to be vulnerable and share that. Um, so that's something that I think that really excites us. And that's how we continue to engage with our community. Um, we also put a lot of value to user-generated content. So if people are sharing these stories, we're reposting with them. Um, we surprise and delight them. You know, we Here's a, a great example um, that happened last week. A woman took, because you know you get a monthly glam bag, so over the course of you know a couple years, you're collecting all these bags. Um, she took all her bags. She put a note out to the community and said, hey, anybody who has any leftover glam bags, I'd love to get them. I'm going to be putting little menstruation packs together with tampons and pads um, to send to a local high school. We saw that. We were so excited. We put a giant kick together for her with tampons, pads, all kinds of glam bags so that she could locally give back because we want to encourage that kind of behavior. And we're so proud that we sort of intrinsically are a part of something that someone's already doing. Um, so those are the kinds of things that we really like look out for. You know, if, if someone is talking about having a bad day or something that they really wish for, um, we really love to surprise and delight our community and engage with them and then share their stories with the rest of our community as well. So then, I, and that's that's amazing too. Um, and uh, you're saying everything right. Everything you're saying that I'm, I'm agreeing with, and is, and I think at least in the way that I define authenticity is um, is right in line with that. So, let me turn a little bit to the future here. Now, you've just been at Ipsy for a few months, but I'm curious as to what you're most looking forward to for Ipsy over the next, let's say, year or two. Where, where do you think the brand has to go from here? I mean, for us, it's just about continuing to grow and scale and find the right ways to engage. You know, I, I think about how fast the landscape is going to change from a social, digital, and beauty perspective. It's continuously changing. So keeping our eye on the pulse of what's happening and making sure that we continue to make those pivots. Um, I really want to focus on how we can amplify our community even more. So we have a lot of initiatives in the pipeline of, you know, what are some features and functionalities and experiences even in our digital platform that can um, amplify those experiences and, and make it easier for our customers to learn, um, to engage, and to be inspired by all of the offerings that not only we have, but obviously all of our amazing brand partners that come in our glam bag. Um, so that's something I really want to focus on. And then just, you know, how do we offer what we offer in more places and in more ways? So whether that's scaling our service offerings, whether that's scaling beyond the United States, um, we've just found so much success here that uh, we want to just deliver this surprise and delight and this opportunity of discovery 
um, everywhere we possibly can. So lots more to come. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure lots more to come. And, and based on what you told me already, it seems like that volume is not going to slow down in the slightest. <laughs> Um, so let me, let me wrap with a little bit of advice because we love advice on this show, especially from people who, who have made their way and who are now leading fantastic brands. The reason being, uh, many of these, uh, listeners, uh, that we have in our community are marketers or students of the craft, just wanting to learn more about how brands do what they do and whether they're a sole proprietor or working for a fortune 500 brand, they're always looking for ways to stand out, to be more authentic marketers, to build better brands, to build better relationships with, with people and consumers. So I'm curious from your experience, which which is not obviously just here at Ipsy, but includes C-level roles uh, all over the place. I want to know from you, what can folks be doing in their everyday lives to become more authentic marketers and build better relationships with their customers? Yeah, you know, I have a few tips that just over the years uh, of being at all different types of brands and in all different types of industries, Um, I think probably the most important thing to start off with is really taking the time to find that North Star. I can't emphasize that enough. And I've seen too many brands fail at that and kind of flounder um, and not see the importance of what that North Star is because it's really that guiding light um, that's going to allow you to figure out the best way to engage and resonate with your audience um, and focus on not deviating from that North Star because there's a lot to be done around... um, a core belief system. I also think that, you know, what I love about being now at a very tech and data first company is if you think about most technology companies, the the idea of agility and adaptiveness and being nimble is just intrinsically linked into the core of their DNA. And it's probably one of the biggest things that marketers need to think about. So how do you pivot fast? How do you really actively listen to your audience and your community and not just keep going down the plan that you already have paved for yourself, but be prepared to digest that and understand how you can actually take, you know, maybe a different approach or, or different steps. Um, because I think that the companies that are the most agile right now and saying, hey, we tried this, it didn't work, maybe fail fast, move faster, are the ones that are really winning right now. And they're really listening to what their audience has to say. Um, and I would say the last thing is just brand is all about connection. So real connection is so, so important. And I know that this is so hard to quantify sometimes. And these soft metrics really, really matter. So always finding opportunities to storytell and engage with your audience in an authentic way is so, so important. Um, And it can't always just come from the brand talking to consumers. You have to find other creative avenues to have those stories um, be told. It's great advice. Um, You know, listeners, take it, take it from the largest subscription base in this very, very popular and quickly growing industry um, to, to take some of this home with you. And for all of for the from all these insights, for all this education, um, and for everything new that I've learned today about Ipsy and the industry in general, Jenna, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me. Thank you so much to Jenna Habib from Ipsy for joining today's Authentic Influence podcast. It was a pleasure learning more about that industry from you, and I can't wait to see what Ipsy has yet to come. Best of luck in your continued tenure as their first chief brand officer. 
Now, if you like this show, if you've been liking the conversations I've been having over the last couple weeks, months, years, well, one year, then here's what I would like you to do. Follow our LinkedIn page, Authentic Influence Podcast. That's our little community on the platform there where you'll be able to check out all of our episodes when we release them. And of course, if you stay subscribed wherever you listen, iTunes, Spotify, Google, etc., you'll get them the morning of as well. If you feel so inclined, leave me a rating and review there too. It's also great to have that public show of support. I'll be back again on Wednesday this week. This is Thanksgiving week, so a little bit different. And I'm going to come to you with a slightly different interview. Of course, Black Friday on the mind, retail on the mind. I've got the CEO and founder of a company called Retail Store Tours. And we'll figure out all about what that means on Wednesday. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.